you work at your job and you absolutely love it, well, then there's probably some aspect of your job that you really don't love, but still needs to get done. So this gets rid of that mundane, repetitive task. Oh, if you really love your job and you want to stay there and you get the boss permission, then it's not like, okay, now I can spend more time on things that I really love and I'm really great at, and I can make this company even more money. Plug into the minds of the world's cutting edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders, rewriting the rules of high performance at work. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Mind Valley podcast. Hey, everybody, this is Jason Campbell. Welcome back to Superhumans at Work. I'm super excited for today's episode because we are going to talk about something that is a superpower you could unleash, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're in a career. Matter of fact, I've done this while being an employee at Mind Valley, which has skyrocketed my productivity. And it's a secret weapon that you may have heard of, but probably never thought it was ready for you. Maybe you didn't think it was within your realm of possibility. Maybe you just thought, oh, this is not something I know how to set up, so I'm not even going to touch it. Yet doing this is one of the best things you can do to increase that productivity and do something incredible for individuals around the world to provide employment and to truly make an impact. I'm talking about virtual assistant. I'm talking about remote workers. And as we're recording this, we've had issues like the COVID happen, and a lot of us have become remote workers. Now it actually has lowered the threshold for a lot of people to consider what would life look like with a virtual assistant? Is it too expensive? Is it too hard to find? Ravi Abhavala is a multimillionaire entrepreneur and speaker who teaches scaling with system. Name of his company, he's the chief scaling officer and he's been featured on publications like Forbes, Fox News. He is a man who has appeared as an expert on multiple podcasts, has his own business and publishes motivational videos on YouTube. And I was fascinated by his story on how he was able to build all this at such a young age. And we could say, quote unquote, one of his many secret weapons was actually the power of virtual assistants. Now, I'm super excited about this interview because we're not only going to talk about the powers that this brings you, but also what impact it makes. And it's not about taking advantage of people. It's about enabling people. And this is what we're going to talk about today with Ravi. Ravi, thank you so much for being here. Jason, thank you so much for having me. This is uh, very exciting. Love your podcast. Everybody tuning in as well right now. Thank you guys for lending me your ear. Hopefully you guys might learn a thing or two about outsourcing, removing yourself more from your company or your job, giving yourself more free time, which can end up actually making you a lot more money. That's amazing. Now you've built something incredible yourself. You have multiple businesses. You've been scaling those businesses. And I'd want to kind of start with the background here. Like, how did this all start? Like, where did you start from to get you to a point where you got all these businesses running flawlessly? Yeah, well, flawlessly is a little bit of an exaggeration, right? No, no business owner will admit, you know, they're lying to you if they're saying that they have a flawless business. I got more problems than anybody out there. But no, but super grateful. I have an incredible team. So to get a really long story short, essentially, I was going to be a lawyer. That was like the vision. I was going to become president or governor. And I wanted to practice law, knew nothing about law, you know, no idea what law was about, but I saw every episode of Suits and every episode of Law and Order. And, you know, everybody had said that lawyers make money. So that was the route I was going down. I worked for the governor of Florida for a few years while I lived in Florida and went to Florida State University, graduated. And I was going to spend about a year between graduation and college studying for the law school admission test because I wanted to go to one of the top law schools in the country and in the United States. That's kind of what you have to do. And about three days after I graduated, my dad was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. I had to pretty much kind of uproot everything I was doing, moved to Atlanta, 
and taking him to chemo and radiation five days a week. I ended up studying the rest of the day. So it was like 18 hour days between studying and chemo and radiation. Very long story short, I, at the end of all this, I realized how fragile life was and how essentially I was like, end this chemo unit with these 30 year olds. And they thought that they had all this time ahead of them. And here I was about to go into another three years of school for something I didn't even really know if I wanted to do, $240,000 in debt, and be paying that off the rest of my life. And I just was like, I still remember I read a great book called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. And I was just like, why am I doing all this? I'm chasing after somebody else's dreams, which was my family. You know, I come from an Indian background and they just wanted the best for me. And I just remember waking up one day and being like, you know what, I'm just going to risk it. So I ended up taking the test because I had studied for a year of it. I ended up scoring the top 10% of test takers in the nation. So I got into the schools of my dreams and my whole family thinks that I'm about to be this lawyer, high power lawyer. And then I ended up just telling them, you know what, I'm going to risk it. I have no car payment. I lived with my dad for the past year. You know, I have no debt, no bills. I was like, I'm going to risk it as an entrepreneur. And I Googled how to make money online and kind of started an advertising agency from there. I was a busboy at an Italian restaurant for a year while I was being this quote unquote entrepreneur. And so it was a struggle, right? And then I kind of started learning the power of systems and I got my first virtual assistant. Her name is Bill Jane. She's still with me today. I mean, you talk about a relationship and a journey. It's like she came to me when I was making $3,000 a month. Obviously now we're in the multi seven figures and a lot of it is due to her. And found her and she was able to take a lot of stuff off my plate or doing stuff that I should be doing that I wasn't doing, like constant lead generation, cold calling, cold emailing, pre-qualification. And essentially through her and through building the systems, we really, really started to scale very quickly. And I was lucky enough, I was featured in Fox for my advertising agency, Prospect Social, because of kind of the rate at which we were scaling. From that interview, a bunch of people were reaching out to me, how do you do the same thing for me? And through that, my newer company called Scaling Systems was born. And that's essentially where we're helping, you know, it could be people in the nine to five corporate worlds. It could be recruiters, mostly business to business, service-based businesses is kind of our wheelhouse or e-commerce. And we pretty much help them scale to multi seven figures while being ridiculously profitable. But a big part of that is those virtual assistants. That's incredible. And, you know, you've been able to discover that. And obviously you talk about scaling with systems. So I would say that just getting the assistant is probably just one of the aspects here. You obviously need to build the right infrastructure. And before we get into that, I'd love to really just know, like, why is it that a lot of people would hesitate or not get themselves an assistant? Like when you lay it out, the fact that you can have someone that helps you with all the tasks you might not want to do that are super essential, getting an assistant seems like an obvious thing. What is the number one reason why people are like, no, I don't want to do that? That's an awesome question. More likely than not, it probably comes down to two things. Like the first thing is that they think that they can't afford it, right? Or it'll cost them too much money. And in reality, I have a great blog post on a website called Time in Prison. In reality, if you really do the math, if you can hire a virtual assistant to do something for three to five dollars an hour, but you're the one doing it, you're saying that your time is worth three to five dollars an hour, right? That's pretty much what it's coming down to. And one of the things that we like to do is do what we call like an ROI calculator and an ROI justification and just show them how much more money they're actually going to make because of the virtual assistant if you follow the right path, right? I mean, there's just you, everyone has a limited amount of time in the day, but if you can multiply that by one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, obviously you guys can imagine how much money you have. So it actually costs you more money and opportunity costs not to get a virtual assistant. And there's always going to be people that still don't see that, but usually we can kind of break through those limiting beliefs. And then the second version is, it's just like either A, I'm too good at what I do. It can't be systemized. 
or B, they just don't have any systems in place and they're so afraid that like if they have a virtual assistant, it's going to pretty much expose these weaknesses in their business and that they, they don't have themselves because they don't really know what they're doing, right? They're just waking up and flailing their arms in the morning and then going to bed at nighttime. And so it's kind of scary in that aspect. And, and that's really where we kind of help guide people along those processes. We help build the systems. We help build their standard operating procedures. But once again, it's kind of like going back to the money thing as well. It's like, well, if you don't do it, then you're still going to be like in the same spot that you're always in. So it's going to have to be uncomfortable for a little bit. But the changes that you can see if you're willing to kind of make that leap or make that jump are incredible. I love that you touched on one aspect here, which I think might be represented as the quote unquote ego side. But so many times, and I'm not going to point at people, I'm going to say me, like I have an assistant, yet I know I still hold on to a lot of tasks because I feel like, oh, I don't think anybody can do it as good as me, or I don't want to take the time to build the system for this. I'm just going to do it right now. What do you say to people who are like me who end up doing that, who might not have an assistant already or have an assistant and still face this block? It's funny you bring that up because I honestly, and we are consistently pushing the boundaries as to what virtual assistants can do. So one of the things we do is we work with like some higher ticket business to business clients and you know, they're selling three, five, 10, 20, 30, $50,000 packages. And one of the things that we're testing out right now is using virtual assistants to help sell those packages. So, you know, it's like, if you really understand, which is great with your podcast as well, but like if you really understand how the mind works and how limiting beliefs work, it's just like the only reason why you think something can't happen is, is just because you think something can happen. That's it. It's not because it can't happen. Just because you think it can't happen. Luckily, we've been in business enough and we've helped enough clients. we work with over 300 different firms in the past year. There's a lot of case studies that we can be like, oh, no, I couldn't have someone do that. My business is special. And then I'm like, well, no, here's somebody who's in the exact same business as you that's doing 10 times better than you. And they're going to continuously do better than you unless you kind of step your game up. So that's the way that we kind of do it right now. But more likely than not, what I used to do back then when I first started out was just like, what is it that you don't think that you can do? And then they would tell me what they didn't think they would do. And then I would go on like a video call, just similar to this right on Zoom. I break down how that whole process works. Then I would pretty much create a standard operating procedure from that process. And then I would give that to a virtual assistant. And then that virtual assistant would reach out to them the next day and say, hey, let me do this for a day for you. And let me show you that I actually can do this for them. And it would like blow their mind in multiple different ways. And a lot of times as well, if you think that someone can't do this for you, you're either wrong or you need to eliminate that one thing. So that's like, there is a certain point where you really can't delegate out a certain task or you get to a point where you're delegated out so much. And there is a point where you have to come to the elimination side of it, which I don't think anybody really talks about in this game, but it's like, do I even really need to be doing this? Like you talk about the 80, 20 rule. Like, is this even really moving the needle in any area of my life? Or is this just what those little kind of notions, those limiting beliefs that I, Oh, I have to do this. But in reality, you really don't have to. So it's usually a combination between one of those two things. We can kind of shatter some of those limiting beliefs that people come to us with. I love it. Now, if I'm an entrepreneur or I'm a freelancer and I can see all the freedom that this can cause me, I'm like, wow, I'm more efficient, more profitable. It makes a lot of sense. I'd say that if I'm an employee and I'm thinking, wow, if I can find someone that does all my work, first off, a little disclaimer for everyone, you definitely want to make sure that you have permission within your contractual work that you can do something like that. I know for me with Valley, this is something I discussed prior and it was okay for me to test this out. Now, as an individual within a company, let's say you try this out and you find yourself automating most of your work. Does this make you irrelevant? Like what would be the consequence of someone that's able to systemize their entire work, get it delegated to a virtual assistant, would your job be in jeopardy in that case? Is that a risk? It depends, right? 
ideally speaking, and you and I will diverge here, and I'm not going to try to sway any of your listeners, but I've, my whole life, it's always been a act first, ask for forgiveness later, right? That's like kind of how I've always believed in a lot of the stuff that we've done. And then keep in mind, I've never been part of corporate America or anything, so I don't know exactly what other people do. But in my mind, as a business owner, right? And we hire, you know, I have outbound sales reps, we have account managers, client success, CEOs. Like if I give someone a task as the business owner, I'm just looking for that task to get done. And so if you can do that in a more efficient way than what you're doing right now, and it doesn't cost me any more money, I have no issue with that one. I actually challenge, we have something called the ramping Bible inside of our company. So it's like anybody that joins our company, they have to go through this pretty much Google Docs, 30 pages long, shows them everything they need to know about the company. And one of the first videos in there, I'm like, look, I challenge you to find where my inefficiencies are in this business and do it better than what I'm doing. Because I don't know, I probably know less than you. Hopefully I know less than you if you're working for me, to be honest with you. I don't want to be the smartest guy in the room. And so that's my ideal as a business owner. And so if you're an employee, you're working for somebody, that's what I would imagine would happen. But worst case scenario, let's say you do talk to them and then they say, yes, it's okay. And then you have them doing it. And then your workload increases, you know, it's a super interesting point. That's a great question. It's like, okay, so then why does the person not just go have a virtual assistant instead of have me working there as well? And I think two things will happen. Number one, the business owner will be like, look, I'm still paying the same amount of money, but the output has either remained the same or it's increased. And most likely you become happier, which there's a great book called The Happiness Advantage of how that'll have lasting effects on other areas of your work as well. And then the second aspect of it as well is like, let's talk about worst case scenario. You get a virtual assistant, you start working with the company knows you're a virtual assistant, they work for you. Then the company's like, why do I even need you? Let me cut out the middleman. Well, guess what? Now you don't have any handcuffs anymore if it was a handcuff job. And now you're like, cool, I now know a skill set and I now know I can have somebody else do the skill set for me and I can now go to other business owners that were just like my old boss and I can say, hey, I can do this for you on a contractual basis for this amount of money and now I've become a business owner. I don't have to hide anything from anybody. I don't have to ask questions to anybody anymore. I do whatever I want to do. The virtual assistant's doing all the work and everybody's happy. So like, once again, I obviously have my own beliefs and like that's to me would be the ideal situation because now you have freedom, but I know a lot of people love their job as well. So you guys have to kind of take any of that with a grain of salt, but I could see it as being a huge bonus in a lot of ways. I love that. And for me, what I find is I've had so many interviews with people that talk about one of the best skill sets to nurture in today's economy in a thinking economy is actually be someone who's skilled at developing systems and processes. And if you're forced to delegate, then you're actually developing that skill. And so if you are with a company that does not recognize that skill set within you, then I'd agree with you. There's probably some better opportunities. But I will give a caveat that I've also only worked in government when I was very young. I haven't worked for quote unquote corporate America, the large companies. Being at part of Valley is obviously a very progressive workplace, very progressive culture that is much more open to these. So the do it now, ask for forgiveness later. It's funny because we're probably cut from the same cloth, right? Because that's obviously how I've done it as well. But I know that in certain work environments, it's not as easy to do so. So definitely be aware of what the culture is within your workplace. Definitely have those conversations with the managers to see if this is something you could try out. And of course, if you do these steps, you'll develop a massive skill set as Ravi mentioned. Also, if you're able to like, let's say you, you work in your job and you absolutely love it, well, then there's probably some aspect of your job that you really don't love, but still needs to get done. 
So this gets rid of that mundane, repetitive task. It allows you to now focus. If you really love your job and you want to stay there and you get the boss permission, then it's not like, okay, now I can spend more time on things that I really love and I'm really great at and I can make this company even more money. So like, there's not really a lose scenario for me here. The way I've broken this down, you can actually end up making the company more money because you're actually delegating because now you're focusing on stuff you love. A hundred percent. A matter of fact, if you think about this podcast, I show up for the interview. That is my highest value generating activity that I do when it comes to this podcast. The entire system when it comes to reviewing the candidates, doing the research, that is all done virtually. And so now we've covered a bit of the aspects of what stops people from getting started. What we have to realize is today more than ever, it is more accessible than ever. The reasons why you might not have started is because you thought it was too expensive, yet there are ways you can do it very inexpensively to get started. And it's all about nurturing this development of systems and process. So Ravi, I wanted to dive right into a bit of the practical here. Like if I've decided, okay, I'd like to consider what life would be like with virtual assistants. I want to get started. Where do I start? Like what's the process here? Yeah. So first of all, I made an awesome decision right off the bat here. So we place virtual assistants inside scaling our systems. They're, they come fully trained. We give a lifetime guarantee. But even before we place that virtual assistant, there's this like few day window where we're working with the client to kind of figure out, okay, once you get the virtual assistant, what do you want them to do, right? What are the tasks they need to take off your plate? And I always allude to this story. It's like having a virtual assistant come into your company and expecting them to be able to deliver results when you don't know what to do is like you tell a waiter, hey, I'll eat whatever you want. You choose whatever you think is best on the menu. And then the waiter brings you back something and you go, I hate this. And you throw it in their face, right? It's like nobody knows who's right or wrong in that scenario there. And so you need to figure out what are they going to do? And the things that we really focus on at Scaling Systems are lead generation activities because I'm a big, big fan of predictable revenue and lead generation and consistent sales, et cetera, et cetera. I think it's probably one of the most important, if not the most important, and also one of the most underutilized and undervalued aspects of the business. And even me, I suffer from that as well. And I used to suffer from it severely because I just didn't want to do the emails every day, the cold calls every day. And so I said, well, okay, it needs to get done. I don't want to do it. Why don't I outsource it out? And if you can do that correctly, then even if you have a half decent product and an okay sales system or a sales team, you have enough leads coming in, you're still going to be making money, right? That's just how it'll work. Depending on your business, that's primarily what I have them focus on because that way we can get, first of all, they get a return on investment within seven days. Number two, they can start building the rest of the back of the systems once they have some money coming in. The worst thing you're going to do is spend all this time in systems and SOPs, making the back of your business absolutely perfect and you're fully removed from it, but then you got nobody coming through the funnel, right? And you got no clients to even test this out with and the VA is like, you know, what am I doing here? I'm just hanging around. And uh, so, yeah, so identify where what you would like them to do. We, we lean more towards lead generation. And then once you've identified that, you start to look for the virtual assistant, right? And where we talk about, I have a great blog post on my website called Where to Find a VA, but you got three options. Number one is going to be, you know, kind of like the friends, family, Facebook group approach. That's going to be like, hey, you post on your Facebook, hey, I'm looking for a VA. Does anybody know anybody? I'm not going to go into all of these. A lot of pros to that. It's very easy. It's very cheap. And you can get access to somebody really quickly. Cons, obviously, is you don't know their past work experience. You don't really know if they're trustworthy or not. You don't know if they're trained at all in any kind of skill sets. There's no guarantee. They can run away with your stuff. You know, and, then, and this is not just virtual assistants, by the way, guys. This goes with any hire, right? We have 30 employees across both my companies. This goes with any hire. And then the second option is like, you know, one of the online websites that acts as that third party, you know, Fiverr, Upwork, any of these ones, which are really great. And I use those before I developed my own company. But the issue that I found with that is those are still kind of like business owners a little bit. And they, you know, they don't, they're not living, breathing and dying in your business. You're just one of their 100 clients, 200 clients. So 
what I love my team members to do is like when they're not at their desk working for scaling systems or prospect social, they're in the shower and they're thinking about how they can make scaling systems or prospect social better. Like they have to buy into my vision. And when you have this person that's just like this contractor at labor, they don't really, you know, I'm not gonna say they don't care, but they got a hundred other clients. If your business goes under, it's, it's okay. And then the third option is like, you know, what we do, which is a virtual assistant placement agency. There's a few other companies out there that do it. And you're getting kind of the guarantee. We offer a guarantee. We offer them to be fully trained in whatever you need them to do beforehand. They go through a 30 day boot camp with us. And then on top of all of that, it's your employee. You work with them. And so they're fully dedicated towards your growth. And we had talked right before we went live on here about, you know, how this has changed the lives of a lot of these virtual assistants. We go in the Philippines mostly because now they, they actually do want this like consistent long-term work. They get to work from home. The Filipino culture family is like one of the most important things to them. And they get to spend time with their kids in the daytime and then they work at nighttime. So it really ends up being a win-win. And in all three scenarios, there's nothing wrong with any one of those. You could totally do it. I always say when someone asks me that question, like, even if you don't work with scaling the systems, like I, I think that we've established at this point, they should go out and at least try getting a virtual assistant and then start delegating some of those tasks. I love it that you got these three major options I can choose. In my case, I ended up going through the freelancing website and I developed a relationship over time. It takes more time. I've never tried these placement agencies, which is actually something I'm now very curious to try myself. So we'll probably be talking after this podcast. I wanted to address one thing that people might be thinking, which is, oh my God, am I taking advantage of someone? Like I'm having someone do these repetitive tasks. What's the sentiment behind getting a virtual assistant? Like what's the emotion behind it? Because I wouldn't want somebody to go out and be like, oh my God, I can delegate all of this and not care about who's doing this. Like, what's the relationship that is built and what is the difference that you're making when you actually get a virtual assistant? It's incredible, actually. That, and I'm super happy you brought that up because so we have a 30,000 square foot office in the Philippines, in Davao City, where we're finding these virtual assistants, training them, placing them with our clients. And it's actually super interesting because we've developed quite a relationship and an authority and this like kind of neighborhood personality in the Philippines, right? Cause like we do things very different in our place than we do at a lot of these other call centers and things that pop up with some really large companies. It's funny. A lot of people are like, Oh, I can't believe you're doing this shocker. And I'm like, you know, some of the largest credit card companies you use that website, that's like international and they deliver stuff to your house in two days. Like I pulled people from their call centers before as well. And so people don't realize how integrated it is, but we have a really, really great reputation in the Filipino community for what we do and kind of how, how we're changing the lives in this industry in a lot of ways. And so we have to be careful on the client side who we take on board, because if we have one bad client that doesn't pay their virtual assistant or they yell at the virtual assistant or they treat them poorly, then it's going to become like, oh, you don't want to work with any of the systems clients, right? So we're very cautious of who we work with for that exact reason. And we've had a pretty stellar record since we started working there. But that's what I hear all the time, right? And that's why you see all my ads, like I can't believe you're working with these people for three to $5 an hour, whatever it is. Most people don't understand currency exchange rates, right? You know, if you gave someone $10 an hour in the Philippines, it's like unbelievable high. You don't have to do it. I mean, a lot of IBAs make past what you'd make in the United States because they've worked up there, but they've all started around the same wage because published by the Filipino government, a family of four can live on $500 USD, family of four. So not just one person, but four people can live on $500 USD in the Philippines. This is published by the Filipino government. And so if you're talking about $5 an hour, you know, you're talking about plenty over that $500 USD and that's just one member of the household, right? So they're living a very great lifestyle as far as the monetary side of it is concerned, right? 
And you guys can look up what currency exchange rates are and how powerful the US dollar is in the Philippines. I don't have to go into all that. And the other aspect of it as well, which is like, I think this, this is actually more important than the monetary aspect for a lot of these workers is, you know, we're taking people from these companies, these call centers, these other entrepreneurs that are kind of abusing them, right? One of my main virtual assistants, her name's Sarah, she actually came from a very large multinational corporation call center. And the reason I got her was because that large company, she didn't show up one day of the month for work because her son got sick and they did not give her the whole month's paycheck because she didn't show up to one day of work because of it. So she left there, we worked with us and she sends me letters, she'll send me messages on Slack, pretty much crying. I gave her son this bonus for her birthday, for her son's birthday. And I got this message from her the other day that's like, you know, you've changed my life. I'm as a single mom, it's been incredibly hard doing this, but you've given me consistent income. We've worked together for two plus years. And so what we were talking about before this podcast, before we went live on here was just like, I love helping people scale companies and I'm really great at it. And it's a lot of fun for me to see like people in the US, UK, Canada, whatever it is, right? In these first world countries. But where I get a lot of the kick out of this to be just totally transparent with all the listeners on here right now is really from the virtual assistant side. Is these people are, I mean, you're transforming their lives. It's like they get like, they're making less money, but they are more grateful for the opportunity to do it. And they end up having this super consistent job flow where they're working a certain amount of weeks, they get to build a company from scratch, or they get to actually be a really impactful person in that company. We teach our clients to do daily meetings with them or weekly meetings with them, give them more tasks and responsibilities, give them pay raises, and include them in all the aspects of the company so they can know how they're not just doing like typing on a keyboard and then closing the computer and going to bed. It's like, why is that typing on a keyboard adding more dollars on the bottom line? So they can be more, you know, people ask me all the time, right? we run a multi seven figure company and I have my virtual assistant LJ and run payroll. And so she's running payroll and there's people in our company, our sales guys making 30, $40,000 in one month. Right. And she's running her payroll next to their, like, why would she be doing that? Wouldn't she be upset? You know, she's going to pay. And I'm like, because she knows what her value is. She's bringing to the company and she's aware how everything works and what she does, how it kind of works in the system there. So it kind of all works together in a whole, but you know, there's obviously, it doesn't matter if it's the virtual assistant or if there's like in the US, there's like slave workers as well, et cetera, et cetera. So it doesn't really matter where in the world it is. But if you're thinking that you're doing harm over there, then you should really look internally on, on what you think you would do if you hired a virtual assistant. Because if you're genuinely a good person and you really love working with people, I promise you, you'd really only be doing great if you're able to find someone over there and give them steady, consistent, long-term work. Ravi, I love it. And I really wanted to touch on this. I love the way you position it. We had Mary Gray actually come on the show, talk about ghost work before, which is all about how there's this huge movement where back when it was manufacturing, you know, we'd have all these goods and services being created by, you know, very highly underpaid. I mean, we can all think about Nike in the nineties going through the shoemaker, you know, crisis where they were outsourcing that to China. And then you realize what the conditions of the factory was, but it's actually to the responsible of the individual people that employ and the standards you hold these multinational corporations to make sure that, People are being treated right, regardless of where they hire. And obviously, we're doing arbitrage here. We're taking advantage of currency fluctuation, cost of living changes. It's an amazing opportunity. And the fact that you get to work with these people, provide a great livelihood, solve problems, which was consistent income, as well as great working conditions, it's an incredible thing. So I'm really excited about what you do, Ravi. This was an amazing conversation that we got to share with everybody here. I hope everyone is inspired to at least give this a try. If you've been listening to Superhumans at Work, we've talked with Sam Carpenter. We talked about systems and processes. Again, this is a huge skill set. If you haven't really grasped the essence here is the fact that if you can systemize your work, you can delegate it. 
And here we're talking about this whole new realm of virtual assistant. It is so available to you. There's a ton of link we're going to put to the blog post that Rafi mentioned here in the show notes. So definitely go check this out. If this is a field you're curious about, go and dig more. There's a lot of freedom that could come from this. All of the tasks that you don't like doing, if you just spend a little more effort to systemize them, you can actually find a way to delegate them. Once you bring a virtual assistant into your life, you'll realize that the barriers to start are not that expensive. You don't need this person to work full-time initially. I started with someone that worked only a couple hours, and then I realized that more and more of my things could be systemized, which allowed me to have more freedom and make a bigger impact. And now you're impacting your own productivity, so you're making the company you work for, your own company, more profitable, more productive, higher output, and this is great. And you're providing an opportunity for someone else to generate work, to generate income, which is also a great thing. If you're afraid that you're going to become replaceable, well, the fact that you're developing the mindset to make systems and processes and think about the skill set can not only give you that opportunity to go out and create your own business in the process, but you're more than likely going to be highly valued within your workplace to develop more of these systems across the organization. Ravi has been an incredible guest sharing these amazing insights. Definitely go read his blog, read more about this topic so you can go deeper into it and make a huge investment into yourself, which is getting the help you need to make the impact you want. Ravi, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing these incredible insights. And everybody listening, thanks for tuning in. My name is Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Mind Valley podcast.